1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina e Electrical Services. And the voice crack leading into today's show should tell you all about what you're going to hear as we recap Carolina's 76-74 defeat at the hands of Pittsburgh. Because for the first time in 2022-2023, I'm angry. I am mad. Oh. Um, no. And so it's 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 going to be a nice therapeutic session as we talk through Carolina's already fifth defeat. They end the month of December oh. at 9 and 5. All the all the hand pounding is already started. As a team that started preseason ranked number 1. Yep. A landslide, a landslide favorite to win the ACC. That's true, and the trendy pick to make the Final Four and win the national championship. This team lost five games in the first two months, and and look, I, I do want to say this: that Pittsburgh. This might be the best, the best team that Jeff Capel has put together. They, they're really, they're they're really, really good. And they looked the part today as they beat Carolina. Um, Carolina shouldn't have lost this game. Just like they shouldn't have lost to Pittsburgh a year ago. And there are some of you that exist in the fan base that, well, you know, they lost to them last year, and that was really what seemed to turn their season around. Maybe this will be the same. Y'all can hold hands and and sing Kumbaya together if you want to. Uh I don't want to do that because – what happened today erased what you did the previous four games. He erased it. And that's that's really unfortunate because we really thought that that comeback at Ohio against Ohio State, the win over Michigan, basically in your backyard, at home, in the Spectrum Center, that had turned the tide. That was what was going to get this season – Kickstarter, get this season going in the right direction. You looked at the schedule, and virtually for the next three to four weeks, it was pretty manageable, you thought. You've got uh you 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 had to go to Virginia, and you know that's that's been a tough game for the last decade or so. But really outside of that, you were gonna be heavy favorites to win a lot of your games and start stacking wins, and start building a pretty quality resume as you gear towards March. And even though Carolina is 1-2 and two in the ACC, it just feels like, once again, it's an uphill climb. And even though it's only December, and Carolina entered this game ranked 23rd in the net, Pittsburgh was 72nd in the net, you got to wonder how long is it going to take for Carolina to really start building another more, a resume for the tournament because they still only have, that's right, check the notes, one quad one victory on the season. Yeah, the loss by Michigan to Central Michigan was a significant
0: blow for Carolina. And then you couple it today uh, with the loss to Pittsburgh, which I, I – I... I'm not going to say it completely erases everything that you did because Ohio State and Michigan, really Ohio State, that that's big. That's a quad one win. Last year it took you so deep into the season to get one. So I, I'm not quite – where you're at with that. But I will say that if there is anybody that is trying to just pass this off, I saw a couple of people talking about this is just a December loss. No, it's a conference loss. It's to a team that should not have your number. And, I mean, look, when you look at the rest of this conference, I mean, where where do we actually think Pittsburgh stacks up in this conference? I mean, probably around 10th or 11th. So, I, I just – you wonder. I mean, look at look at the next game Carolina plays, for example. I know it's at home, but Wake Forest is a in my opinion a much better basketball team than Pittsburgh. So, I mean, it's it's you just it just makes you wonder how many of these other games that we thought Carolina should be able to win. You know, how many of those now become a bit of a question mark? I the frustrating part for me was you were hoping that this team would not let this layoff get to them. It wouldn't ruin the momentum of what they did before the Christmas holiday. This looked like a team that had taken a week off, that had gone through the holidays, and that honestly was kind of feeling themselves coming into this game and thought, okay, we've turned everything around. Now it's just smooth sailing the rest of the way. And that should not have been the mindset. The mindset should have been, hey, we picked up two really good wins. Now it's time to continue to prove ourselves as a contender because I don't know, did you did you think that all of a sudden now you were automatically the best team in the ACC? I mean, look. Duke is not that great of a basketball team right now. And outside of Miami, there really aren't that many good basketball teams in the ACC. Virginia Virginia, yeah, that's right, that's right. Virginia, Virginia Tech, yeah. Virginia Tech suffered a pretty bad loss though last week. So I, I mean, NC State's pretty good. I mean, is that is that a re, is that a resume building type of win though? If you beat them, could be. I don't think that team will. It could be if I they
1: win the games that. You, this is why this erased the four game winning streak. You had a nine point lead four different times in the game, well, that's the frustrating teams that part. teams that are that want to compete to win ACC titles and win national titles they put teams away. Carolina never put the never put Pittsburgh away and it's not just in
0: this game either uh, they no. they had a chance to do that against Iowa State in a game that they lost they had a chance to do that against Alabama in a game that they lost. That's what's frustrating is it seems like. Today looked like an extension of what we saw before the four that that four game winning streak. It looked like this team had kind of just picked back up where they left off after they came back from Portland. That that's what it looked like to me, and that's
1: that's frustrating. Yeah, and you, you factor in you blew a forty to thirty four point lead at the halftime break. You're also, by the way, now you're zero two
0: in ACC games on the road. Yep. Um you, you got tougher environments than Castle Coliseum, Castle Coliseum and the Peterson Event Center coming up on your schedule. Yep. So you better be prepared.
1: Uh this is now four out of five losses for Carolina to to Pittsburgh and I really feel like you know there there was a sequence in the game where um you know it felt like maybe Carolina could have put the game away. And, and and they didn't. They had a fifty eight to fifty six lead, um, going into a going into a a timeout after Pittsburgh had made a three pointer. But as they were going to commercial, it was fifty seven to fifty six, and a pit player got whistled for a technical foul for taunting. Mm-hmm. This that that forced because the whistle was blown that forced a TV timeout. You come out of that timeout. RJ Davis at the foul line. So you're at the you're at the charity stripe. Two shots and the ball. You go one of two. You miss a three-pointer on on that in possession you get off of the technical foul. The very next possession, Pittsburgh goes down, ties the game, and it just felt like for whatever reason, that took the air out of the game for Carolina. And, and I I you know when when the game was tied 67-67 and they made the turnaround three-pointer out of that under four-minute timeout. I think we all pretty much knew right then and there um, how this game was going to end. I know a lot of Tar Heel fans were upset about the call being overturned in the final seconds of the game and how they didn't think there was enough evidence to overturn that call. And It's not that I don't agree with them, but... I'm at, you shouldn't have been in that scenario that's, anyway.
0: That's where I am with this team. It was a miracle that they even had that opportunity to be to be honest with you. I agree. I don't think there was there was enough evidence because the initial call on the floor was that it was Carolina basketball. But I will I will say this. This it is not the reason this team lost this game because they should have won this game by double digits. The officiating in this game What's was horrendous.
1: pathetic. Uh, All Pittsburgh, out, man, was fou- on both sides, to be honest with you. Pittsburgh was called
0: for just two fouls did in you the see, first half. Did you see the charge call that they called on Leaky Black? Did in the first I see half? it? That was an that was a pathetic. That was the worst call I have seen in a long, long time in basketball. I almost came through
1: the uh. wall at work because I, I was done. Oh my Yeah, at, at, at that point, at that point, I was done. No, officiating didn't cost Carolina the game. Did it impact the game? One hundred percent. Absolutely. Those are excuses. I'm not gonna sit here and patty cake a team that brought back four starters from a team that was a rebound away from winning a national championship. I'm not going to do it. Like there are people that that will do that. That's not who I am. Someone's got to hold them accountable. I feel like that's my job. And these types of losses at the University of North Carolina, they're inexcusable. With this much experience, with this much talent, with this much depth, these losses should not happen. And look, I I love this conference, and I know how hard it is to go on the road and win in this conference. And I don't want to take away from that, but this is Pittsburgh. You've lost four out of five to Pittsburgh. That shouldn't happen. Let's take a look at the box score. Um Carolina shot just 43% from the field. That was after shooting uh, over 50% in the first half. They were just 9 of 27 in the second half. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh shot 46%. It wasn't the three-point defense that did Carolina in. Ultimately, Pitt was just 5 of 25. Carolina was 7 of 22. Uh, free throws, Carolina 17 of 21. 81% Pittsburgh 76%, 13 of 17 Ironically enough, it wasn't really turnovers that did Carolina in. Just 11 turnovers for the Heels, only 12 points off of those turnovers for Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh with eight turnovers, uh, with Carolina with just six points off of those. Carolina won the rebounding margin 38 to 33, 30 to 26 on the defensive glass. 8-7 on the offensive glass, uh, but just two offensive rebounds in the second half. Second chance points, 13-9, to Carolina. Bench points, 10-9, to Carolina. Paint points, though, 42-26 in favor of Pittsburgh. Fast break points, 8-6 to in favor of Pitt. Blocks, 5-4, Carolina. Both teams with five steals. Carolina with 14 assists on 25 made baskets, so... Over fifty percent once again in that category. Uh, Pittsburgh also with fourteen made assists on their twenty-nine made baskets. The game was tied five different times. Uh, there was three different lead changes. Ultimately, Carolina led for 34 minutes and 13 seconds in the game and got beat. Um, And that's a really tough pill to swallow because you did virtually everything right except win the game. And, and, you know, the the unfortunate part is that's the most important aspect. You could, you know, you'd much rather lose all the categories you won in the box score and win the game than win all those categories that you did and lose the game. Let's move on now to the quote of the game. And this comes from, I guess we'll call it off the record, Armando Baycott.
0: Yes, inside. So, so this is this is inside Carolina's Adam Smith, who has taken over as their main beat writer. Does a tremendous job. The, he posted this after the game. That this was a quote that he was, I guess, getting ready to record some interviews with some of the guys outside of the locker room, and right before he started rolling, this was the quote uh, that uh, Armando Baycott said. Uh, if you want to read it off here,
1: yeah. Um, and look, we are a uh, we are a family program here on the Four Corners Podcast. We have a no cussing rule that I follow really well. Anthony, on the other hand, still has like 28 laps he owes just, me from last year. You do realize that you could just use the oh bleep no. sound effect. No, we're gonna Over say we're gonna say you. the word because I think it really. Well, I'm saying you can
0: say it right here, but then you could just bleep it out in the addition so that you don't no you don't catch any any. Uh, of our younger listeners off guard
1: No, they'll be okay Okay Um. And so they're here, here's off the record Armando Baycott saying I don't know how we can all come in And be locked in And give such a shitty performance And there's nothing he said that was wrong He's not the problem He posted another double-double, 22 points, 13 rebounds, 8 of 14 from the field, 6 of 7 from the foul line. If we had to guess who he's talking about, I think we could all probably say he's probably talking about Caleb Love, who had just 7 points, was 3 of 9 from the field. Uh, Pete Nance battling through a back injury but just 10 points. Four of eight from the field, five rebounds, but in critical moments just couldn't make the plays that were there for him to be made. And I I, I feel really bad for Armando because this is a guy that is laying his life on the line every time he walks on the court. I have not once questioned his effort all season long. I haven't done it. I have questioned the effort of the other four starters that have played alongside of him. And I guess that after five losses and a disappointing start to what was supposed to be such a, a fun season for Carolina basketball, he's finally had enough. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if if this is aired publicly, if there's a conversation behind closed doors, what this does for the team moving forward. Does it pull them all together and help them start striving to achieve the common goal that they said they came back for. Remember, the expectation wasn't really put out there to win the national title until four starters came back, four starters released a video, and four starters said they wanted to win a national championship. That's the goal. And maybe this is is one of those moments, like it was last year, that, that really forces this team to come together. If not... Maybe this is an instance that forces this team to to stray away from one another and come completely unhinged. Which, if we're being honest, we were all worried about that. We were all worried about that after the four game losing streak. Well, it shouldn't because look, I,
0: I know you were trying to figure out who he was talking. I don't think he is pointing fingers. Oh, no, I specifically. think he is. Oh, I don't think so. I think it's because he I was th- awful today. He was well. Terrible. No, I, I got to be honest with you. I just. I, I look around who besides armando actually played well today no one i don't think but what maybe tyler nickel like I, i'm not i'm i'm not gonna throw him under the bus he was out there he played all right i i don't think it's but,
1: necessarily just what your box score looks like it's what you well energy. I'm, gonna t- what's I'm your effort?
0: i'm gonna tell you i love RJ. RJ. RJ was terrible stopping the ball today awful absolutely awful they were all though leaky got blown by a couple of times today when they tried to switch him on to Burton, had nothing for him. It was just everybody. There was there was nobody besides Armando Baycott that I watched this game and say and said to myself, that person played flawlessly in this game. Now part of it was that we didn't see a lot of guys. By the way, I, I mean, look, I, I think this I thought this coaching staff did an outstanding job in the games against Ohio State and Michigan they got even, coached with, today. E- even with the ro- with, with the rotation what in the actual hell were you doing leaving Demarco Dunn in there for as long as you did he i I mean he was getting absolutely embarrassed over and over again on the defensive end of the floor and look i you know you you could say it's a lack of execution at some point, though, when it keeps happening over and over again, it's just a guy that is not able to handle the situation that he is in. You have to pull him out of that situation. You can't just keep him out there and say we're going to live with the results. That that's what that's what's most frustrating to me in that circumstance is that I think this coaching staff, which is which for the for the most part. Has done a pretty solid job for most of the year. We haven't really been on them outside of a couple of uh, a couple of moments this year. That that was this was easily their worst coach game of the season, and that's saying something considering that that overtime, the way that team ran offense mm-hmm. in overtime against Alabama.
1: Yeah, no, they definitely had uh, they had their struggles, today, and we'll talk about that a bit later in the show. Uh, let's move on now to the stat of the game. Not a surprise. Points in the paint. Carolina getting outscored by sixteen, forty-two to twenty-six. And if you go back and you look at the games that Carolina has lost, the common theme and the common the common thread has been the fact that they cannot keep the 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 opposition out of the painted area. Their defense collapses, and and their whole and and it really just results to a, you know bad a, a bad effort, bad performance on that end of the court. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get you this latest ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's disappointing, frustrating, It's us call it embarrassing, 76-74 defeat at Pittsburgh. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knick fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action – I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings Stepped Up Same Game Parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more the more the more you add the bigger the boost the bigger your shot to win whether you're betting on just a straight up win or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have or how many rebound rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings sportsbook download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use the promo code TBPN place a $5 pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage. All good offers. I've been giving you here on the Four Corners Podcast. Same for the sister podcast, the Heel Tough blog, Heel Tough Blog Podcast, which covers another disappointing end uh, of the season and team, which was Tar Heel football. The two teams have the same exact record as we sit here
0: at this point in the season. And both of them are incredibly disappointing.
1: Uh, more thoughts and more takeaways. I, uh, Yeah, you, you mentioned it that you know, R.J. Davis didn't play well today, and neither did Caleb Love. Uh, Davis did score 16 points, but was only 4 of 11 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, had a 3-pointer get blocked. That led to a run out the other way, um, was 7 of 8 from the foul line, but he missed that one critical free throw after the technical. Five rebounds, three assists, four fouls, two turnovers in 35 minutes. Caleb Love, seven points, three of nine from the field, one of three from three. Two rebounds, one assist, two fouls, and a turnover in 35 minutes. Um, and Adam Lucas's rapid reactions article on GoHeels.com, he said an unusual three of nine from Caleb Love. Um, that's been who he has been all year long. I don't know if it's the black shoes. I don't know what it is. Oh, no. He's got to be better.
0: The reason it's unusual is because he only shot the ball nine times. That's actually stunning. But yet again, even though he didn't shoot the ball a lot, there there, there was a stretch where he took some ill-advised shots. He was not trying to get the ball inside. And it wasn't just him, but that was what – eventually started the ultimate downfall of Carolina on the offensive end because once once they stopped scoring the basketball that was it there was a point from the nine minute mark to I think it was about the the, the four or five minute mark in the <laughs> quarter where Carolina's only shots were four consecutive three-point attempts yep like what how in the world did you see what Armando Baycott was doing inside? You saw what was happening to you on the defensive end of the floor, where Burton was just driving right by you and getting to the lane w- with ease, making it look like he was going against small children. Well, Armando Baycott m- w- was was doing that inside. They had nothing for him. Old Fro- Frederico, Frederico, whatever the hell his name is, he had absolutely nothing. The backup, whichever twin was on him, they were, I mean, Doug Sherman could not get enough of the fact that they had twins that were born minutes apart on the same team. It's not the first time, Doug. Settle down, brother. But he, he had nothing for him either. And for some reason, Carolina went away from it. I get it. Pittsburgh made some adjustments. They made it more difficult to get the ball inside to him. At times, they did it in the first half, too, but eventually Carolina went back to Armando at the end of the first half, and it allowed them to get back in a little bit of a rhythm offensively. In the second half, they never went back inside. Why was that the game plan? That is just, it is ridiculous, especially with how easy things looked. For the majority of the game on the inside.
1: Yeah, the worst part about this was that Love and Davis got outperformed by one dude. That was Jamarius Burton, as you mentioned. Oh. Uh, as you can imagine, he had a career game, a career best thirty-one points. He was 14 of 17 from the field. Um, he was three of five from three. He had six rebounds. He was the best player on the floor in this game. Him and Armando Baycott were the two best guys on the court. No, he was no, he was three of five from the from oh, the free throw line. From the free throw he line, he took yeah, 0 of one from three. He took one three um, the whole game. Like this guy one. had this guy had an old school thirty piece, and because they couldn't keep him out of the lane, and and look, some of the shots he made were were pretty ridiculous. He he made he made some pretty legit shots, but also it was just too easy for him, and you know. I thought this backcourt was trending in the right direction because Hubert Davis had taken Caleb Love off the ball. But also what he'd done in recent games is that when Caleb Love did stuff that warranted him being benched, he got benched. These players aren't above not being benched for not, not playing well. Nobody is. Nobody ever has been. And I think that's something that Hubert has got to find a way to navigate is you've got to be able to 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 put guys on the bench when they deserve to be benched. You had no problem doing it at the Georgia Tech game and putting a freshman on the court, and that freshman sparked a run that allowed you to go on the uh a run and and effectively end the game at the middle of the first half. So you you you've got to come to a place to where, yes, Love and Davis are really good basketball players. And when they are playing at a high level. You could argue they're the best backcourt in the country, but they're not above not being held accountable for bad effort, bad play, and that, I think that was something that happened in this game where maybe uh, an an extended time on the bench with, for Caleb Love would have done him a lot of favors. Um, I I I don't know. You know, with RJ, I'll always say the thing about it with him is that. No matter what his numbers look like, I never question the kid's effort. The kid plays hard. Usually, his numbers may look bad because he's trying too hard, and it's really hard to complain about that. You know, Roy Williams often said, "You'll never care as much as I do, but if you be, if you come awful close to caring as much as I do, we're going to be really good." I think RJ and Armando are two of the guys that care the most on the team, as close to Hubert Davis. I truly believe that. But, you know, they've got to find a way to coexist again and play well in the same game. The points in the paint thing is just. Got to guard your man. I mean, you couldn't stay in front of anybody. It yeah. just, the dribble penetration in this game was stunning because. You would have thought it was the first game of the season, November, where Carolina often looks pretty bad in that department, where they just can't contain the dribble. They can't stay in front of their man. It's the end of December. This this you play is fourteen games, but this is as bad as I've seen it. This
0: this looked like when we watch some of these games in the NBA. Like just take the Hornets for example. There are games like this where the Hornets just they're they're out west. It's it's the second game of a back to back or something like that, and you just get blown by consistently over and over again. And it leads to a fiery press conference, something where you're asking how in the world did we get our butts handed to us that badly in the paint? And that's the, that was the frustrating part of this. The, the way that you know that you had you had no shot to stop this team, the majority of those points on the inside did not come from big men. Did not come. They didn't even come off of what beat you at times earlier in the season, which was second chance points off of offensive rebounds. I mean, I don't think you were great in the se- especially in the second half on the glass. You got out rebounded by five in the second half by this Pittsburgh team. But to me, it wasn't that. It was just you were getting beat off the dribble over and over and over again. And I mean even when they switched Leakey onto Burton, first first play that they switch him on, he gets absolutely toasted. And it's 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 easy going to the basket. And it didn't matter. Uh, you got to give him credit because Carolina eventually, Chris Spatola was pointing it out early in the game that Bert, all Burton was doing was driving to his right. Carolina was not attempting to even push him to his left. Well, they did late in the game, and he still found a way to have success. The simplest way to stop that, though, is just being able to stay in front of your man, as you were
1: saying. They couldn't do it. Yeah, and I think it's just something where, again, when this team gets back to Chapel Hill, every defensive drill that they hate, I'm not even lying, they would show up Thursday or Wednesday against Wake Forest exhausted from how much they would run. And how much they would do defensive drills that they hate in practice. Well, the good news
0: is at least we don't have to go up against a really good guard that's just playing out of this world (laughs) against Wake Forest, right? Oh, yeah, Tyree Appleby's playing pretty damn well.
1: It's it's just ridiculous. Um, It's something where, again— I don't believe in zone defense. I think uh, I think it's one thing the NBA has gotten right where they've outlawed it because zone is zone is a cop out, and that's why there's nothing more than I love seeing Jim Boeheim fail and fail, try uh, again, trying to play a cheap brand of basketball. But by, I mean, my goodness, throw throw that out there, see what that does. No, or I don't know where's what you told me after Virginia Tech we're going to full court press. Yep. That's who we are. Yeah, I let you, I I I I wanted to let you get there. Th- that's 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 going to be in our DNA. Mm-hmm. That is going to be in our makeup. And we saw it in the first half against Georgia Tech. And in, the, in, in, the, in, the in in the middle in the middle end of part of that first half which led to the 11 nothing run where Carolina effectively put the game away. Since then, we have not seen that maneuver in the first half. You didn't see it in the Ohio State game. You didn't see it in the Michigan game. And you didn't see it really at all today until the game was over. Now, final two possessions of the game. And uh, I just just don't get it because it's actually something that is executed well. In the years that Roy Williams would throw that out there, was it executed very well? No, because you didn't practice it enough. To really get it down. You were basically hoping we're going to throw this look out there. Let's hope it screws with their heads and we'll get lucky. And sometimes that would happen. No, this team can do it. Because you've got the right, the right mixture of size, speed, length, and athleticism. And for some reason, we don't do it. Even though every time we've done it, the result has been... A positive positive one. It got you back in a game at Virginia Tech you had no business being in. It brought you back again against Ohio State where a game which you would force overtime, go on and win. I, I just I just, I just don't know. And at some point, if, if I'm watching my my team get beat consistently off the dribble, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it harder for them to do just that. Yeah, you would think.
0: I mean, I don't know if they just thought eventually they were going to get back to what they did in the first half, which was they there there were times that guys would get beat, but Armando would recover and block it. I I don't. I just it did not make sense and the other thing is look you could say well they didn't really they 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 weren't hitting shots on the other end of the floor to be able to set up the press well they had opportunities at the free throw line and if I remember correctly or my there there was pete Pete missed Pete Nance missed two consecutive yes. but outside outside of that you didn't have where a guy missed two consecutive shots. So you could have set it up. But I, I just yeah, I don't that's something that I guess we should not hold our breath for. That that oh, as
1: I no, as I said no 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 no. No. He said he he said it in a does it doesn't matter. No, it does do, matter. here's
0: the thing though. Do we do we really do we really want to play this game again with Tariel coaches telling us stuff and not and not yes. not going through with it? Because dude I, I got to tell you, I've heard Mac Brown do that for how long with the football program? There are times where apparently, and it, apparently it's not just Mac Brown, apparently coaches are going to tell you that we're going to see certain things, and at the end of the day, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Because I, I just, I don't understand. If you're Hubert Davis, why is that? What, what more do you need to see from that? Because I'm with you. When you've thrown it out there, there has never been a any point this season where you have thrown it out there and it has not been successful. And and I'm not just talking about successful like okay, we made a stop or two off of it and they they got a basket or two, fi- basically a fifty percent conversion rate. No, pretty much any time that you've thrown it out there, the team that that you've thrown it out against. Has completely shut down and made horrendous mistakes. And this Pittsburgh team, look, they are better than they were last year. They're probably the best that they've been since Jamie Dixon was there. Again, not saying much. That program is ass. But I just like this is a team that you would have, if you would have thrown that out against these guys, keep in mind that they do not have a traditional point guard. Jambarius Burton plays the point for them, or at least brings the ball up, he is not a traditional point guard. He has had turnover issues before, and yet Carolina just, they did not seem, it, it, it did not seem like that entered the coaching staff's mind at any point in this game to say, let's throw that press out there and see if it changes something.
1: Well, and I, 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 I mentioned that on Twitter, and this leads us really to our next, our, our next and final point. Um, you know, maybe we're not deep enough to 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 press, and I'm not saying I want to press for 40 minutes. I'm saying I want to press throughout 40 minutes and impact the game on the end of the court because I believe we can. And today's rotation didn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm really glad Demarco Dunn is back. Uh, I, when he got hurt, it, I, it really hurt me to see him get hurt because he was really coming into his own. I thought he had found a role, member he had a really big three in the game at Indiana, where it really displayed his confidence in his in his own ability to make that shot. Played 20 minutes today, and was a guy that Jamarius Burton attacked on the defensive end of the floor. Um, he did score five points. He did make what was a big three at one point in the game, but just seven minutes from Tyler Nickel, two minutes from Puff Johnson, five minutes from Seth Trimble, and no Jalen Washington in this game. Keep in keep in mind No Dontres Styles. Keep in in mind as well.
0: Puff Johnson came in incredibly early in the game. Seth Trimble came in early in the game, played a majority of his minutes early. Tyler Nickel early in the game. I I thought I I was this was one of the points I was actually going to bring up regardless of what happened, but especially if they won the game, that all of those guys had been in the game before the 10 minute mark of the first half. So, I thought, okay, we're going to test the depth of this group today. But for some reason, after after you took them off the court in that first half, you pretty much never went back to them. The one guy that you went back to was DeMarco Dunn. Pretty much ran a six man rotation the rest of the day. And DeMarco Dunn just I mean, there was nothing. I mean, there was nothing there on the defensive end in that second half. He he was he was overwhelmed. There was nothing that they chose to do about it. Why? I don't understand why we did not see Puff Johnson take his place at some point.
1: I, I just really thought that as we enter conference season, the given guys off the bench would have been Trimble and Puff, and some iteration of Dunn, Nickel, Styles. And I also thought Jalen Washington was going to factor in more than this because every time he's been on the court, it's been nothing but positive. Mm-hmm. And look, you still got 17 conference games to go. You would think, though, by this point you would figure out what your lineups are, what your rotation looks like, and it still it still feels like you're searching for that. And I, to some degree I get because Puff missed the start of the year, so did Jalen Washington – DeMarco's just coming back from injury, but there was lineups on the court today that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And these games, these games matter now. Well, I don't. What the thing that I
0: don't understand is this was DeMarco Dunn's first game back, and he plays twenty minutes. H- how does that make sense? Like he wasn't even playing twenty minutes before he got hurt, but now in this game it was. We can't. You know, we're, we're putting him in there, and I get it. I get Pete got hurt in late, later in the game and that kind of forced your hand to play somebody that wasn't a starter for you. And I don't know, maybe Puff, I forget what what game was it What Wasn't it the Michigan game where we saw Puff go to the sideline and he was getting evaluated by Doug Halverson? I'm pretty sure it was, it, it was that game, but it may have been Ohio State. It was one of the two. It, he... It, they, he was getting his leg looked at or something, so maybe there's something there with Puff too. But my my other question is, where is Dontre Styles again? He's nowhere to be found. We thought, okay, he he was going to re-enter the rotation. It's just it is so confusing the rotations right now, and I don't. And they did this last year too. When they were still trying to find out their group, and on, and I am praying that it does not end up like it did last year, because they did this last year, they bounced around, they tried to find their guys, and at the end of the day, they settled on we are going to run basically six guys.
1: And if if I'm being honest, I think that's where we're headed.
0: And that and that is
1: that is frustrating and, as and, all get out. And here. like I said all summer long, you can make a national title playing six guys. I don't know if you can win one. Uh, The the last thing, really, and I'm just going to really speak on this, Carolina got out-toughed in this game, and that's a really hard pill
0: to swallow. Second year in a row to this team, too, where they basically just got bullied. and, And you've got a former Tar Heel
1: on that assistant. Uh, by the way, I, I can't I can't stand him. Who I can't stand who him. Who knows man. it and is vocal about it. But I really thought in the in the wins over Ohio State and Michigan, Carolina displayed a level of toughness. I mean, I, I wrote about it. We talked about it on this podcast to where like they had drawn the line in the sand where no, you're not gonna you're not gonna outfight us. You're not gonna out punch us, you're not gonna outkick us, you're not gonna hustle us, you're not gonna out anything of us. And that's what happened today. And that was the biggest reason why I thought Carolina got beat. Is a lot of times when you're on the road in this conference, the tougher team wins the game. Today, Pittsburgh was the tougher team. That's the way. That that's why today Pittsburgh won the ball game. Um, and Carolina will now come back home and face Wake Forest, and in, in a game that's going to mean a lot for Wake Forest's NCAA tournament hopes, and it's going to mean a lot for Carolina as they try to avoid a one and three start. In the ACC. That is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit our website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we got you covered with the loss today to Pittsburgh. You can go and check that out. I'll be getting you ready for the matchup with Wake Forest sometime next week as well. As for football, the season has officially come to an end with the loss in the Holiday Bowl. Anthony has you covered on that front. Also, some more Transfer Portal news and the like. So, he'll be keeping you up to date with the latest news and notes around Tar Heel football as they go into the offseason. As for the podcast, guys, uh, we experienced a, a great 2022. Um, and we just want to say thank you for for all of the support you've shown the podcast. Over 44,000 downloads this season, for the Four Corners Podcast. And that was all made possible by all you guys rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. So if you haven't already done so, make sure you rate the pod, make sure you review the podcast. That makes us a lot more easier to find for people who haven't already found us. But make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. What is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast? I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. Happy New Year and go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.